0: Now, one of my concerns is that we as followers of Jesus are actually too in love with this world. And as a result of that, what I think happens, what I have seen occur, and it's definitely still very relevant today, is that as a result of our immense love for this world, it results in spiritual complacency. And that's why today as we open up God's word, my hope, my prayer today for you is this, that my prayer is that God will give you hope for eternity and an urgency for today. That's my hope today, that that is what you experience, that's what you're able to develop and, and understand here today, that God will give you a hope for eternity but also an urgency for today. And to help with that dialogue, we're going to look at our next classic hymn that we've been looking at. And that's the hymn of I'll Fly Away. If you didn't know, and I definitely didn't know this until I start looking into the song, looking at the history of the song, look at the backstory of the song, but this song, I'll Fly Away, is said to be the most recorded gospel song of all time. Did you know that? They say there are actually over 5,000 different versions recorded of this song. This song, I'll Fly Away, was written by a man named Albert Brumley, who was born in 1905 in Oklahoma. story says that As he was growing up, he grew up in a very, very poor family. And as a result of that, as a child, he had to help pay the bills. And how he would do that is that he would join his family, the other members of his family, work alongside of his family, picking cotton to help with the bills. He was five years old, it says, that when his older brother actually died of typhoid fever. So at a young age, he was very familiar with grief and poverty. And he wrote the lyrics to this song actually in college, it says. And he actually says that this song was actually born in his heart while he was hurting as a young child. That he says he was actually longing not for the blessings of this earth, but instead he was longing for the glory of heaven. Imagine that as a young child, the things that he experienced, that he was not longing for the blessings of this world, but instead he was longing for the glory of heaven and wanting to be with God forever. And this is what he wrote. This is some of the lyrics in his song. He says, Some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. He says, To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. He writes that when the shadows of this life are gone, I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars has flown all fly away. And my prayer today is that God will give us, God will give me a hope for eternity and an urgency for today. If there's one part of our faith that I believe can give us hope for eternity and an urgency for today, that's talking about this song. And this song is talking about the second coming of Christ. That when believers will be taken from this earth to dwell with God in heaven. That's what this song is about. Our reunion with God. And I want to say as we talk about this, if you are not a follower of Jesus here today, what we're going to talk about, what you're going to hear to you, it's going to sound kind of weird. And I I ask you, just write it out with us. Stick it out. And I guarantee you, it will be a blessing to you. In fact, if you are a follower of Jesus here today listening, I'm going to tell you, in fact, what we're talking about, is actually weird as well. That we have to remember that sometime, anytime, we don't know when, at any moment, Christ can return. That's what we live with here on earth as followers of Jesus that at some time, any time, we don't know when, at any time, out of the blue, at any moment, Jesus could return. A hope for eternity. An urgency for today. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the return of Christ. I want to talk about our reunion with him. The Bible contains a lot of what we call prophecy. Now, what is prophecy? Well, prophecy is a prediction of something that is to come. Of the 66 books that make up the Bible, and there are 66 different books, many different authors of those books, spanning over over a thousand years, Of the 66 books that we call the Bible, it says, did you know that only four of those books actually do not contain teachings of prophecy? That means the vast majority of the books that we read in the Bible contain a teaching of prophecy. Depending on whom you read or who you listen to, but scholars can mostly agree that between 20 and 30% of the entire Bible is devoted to prophecy. So what is this second coming that I'm referring to? It's a prophetic teaching written about in God's Word to predict events that would happen in the future. And it would be difficult to believe if there were not so many other prophetic events already fulfilled in Scripture. For example... In the Old Testament, written by many different authors over a span of many different years, hundreds of years before the birth, life, death, and even resurrection of Christ, there are many different authors who prophesied what would one day happen in the life of Jesus, which is fulfilled and documented in the New Testament Gospels. In fact, I want to build your faith in the truth of God's Word, regarding prophecy here. I want to show you some of the prophetic teachings about Jesus that were prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before they actually happened. And I'm telling you, they were fulfilled, and they were recorded. Isn't that exciting? That's exciting. Are you excited? Does this not excite you about all these prophetic teachings? that are recorded but then fulfilled. So let me just run through a few of them, just to give you an idea and to build your trust in all this. It was prophesied that Jesus would be born a virgin, which he was. It was prophesied that he would come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, which he did. We were told he would be rejected by men, which he was, betrayed for a payment, which happened, falsely accused, which we know is true. It was prophesied that he would be silent before his accusers, crucified beside criminals and given vinegar to drink, which all of that happened. It tells us that his hands and feet would be pierced, that they would fight over his garments, none of his bones would be broken, and that he would give his life. After giving his life, It says he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. It said he would rise from the dead. He would ascend into heaven and be seated at the right hand of God the Father. All of that, all of that, which was prophesied, has come to pass. I don't know about you, but that builds my faith. The crazy thing is that that's only some of it. That when you actually total all the prophecies about Jesus' first coming, that I want you to actually realize today and understand that there are five times as many prophecies about Jesus' second coming as there are His first coming. And that is what we're going to talk about today. And that as we do that, that it will give you a hope for eternity, but also an urgency for today. There's three thoughts that I want to just share with us here today briefly that hopefully will give us this eternal hope. And we're going to talk about the return. We're going to talk about the rapture. And we're going to talk about the reunion. So let's talk about the return. What do we as followers of Jesus believe about the return? Here's a thought on that. The return. Christ is coming again. Christ is coming again. John says it this way in John 14. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If there were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. The return of Christ. Meaning this, Christ is coming again. See, in the early days of the New Testament church, the believers were under so much pressure and so much persecution that they were aware, just by confessing that they were followers of Christ, that they could be tortured, beaten, whipped, flogged, even put to death. That they were in such danger, you can only imagine the bond that they would have as they met other believers of Jesus. Paul even mentioned that, that there is a crown in heaven for people who long for the returning of Christ. Did you know that? That there's a crown in heaven waiting for those of us who long for the return of Christ. Paul says this in First Thessalonians. We're going to spend most of our time in this passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 uh, here today. And this is what he says. He says, in verse 16, he says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. When would they blow a trumpet in the Bible? Every time we see a trumpet being blown in the Bible, why is it being blown? Well, whenever you read about that, whenever it, a trumpet is blown whenever they're going to battle or when they're going on a journey. So think of that for a moment. When the trumpet sounds, Jesus is coming back for an imminent battle and he's going to be taking us on a journey as well. So, when that trumpet blows, there's going to be a battle and there's going to be a journey. Who else thinks that that's kind of weird? But that's what we believe. We believe in the return of Jesus. That as we believe that, we believe that Jesus is coming back again. Are you ready for that? The next idea is about the rapture. And the idea about the rapture is this. It's living Christians are taken away. That through the rapture, living Christians are taken away. Listen to what Paul says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, after that, meaning after the trumpet, after the voice of the archangel, after the dead in Christ rise first, he says, After all of that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That word caught up is a Greek word, is the Greek word harpazo. And that Greek word harpazo means to be smashed away or it means to be rescued, to be taken out. So he's saying, Harpazzo, you're going to be rescued. You're going to be taken out." And Brumley said it this way, "And I'll fly away." He says, "I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away." Jesus describes it this way. Just listen to how Jesus describes it in Matthew chapter four, uh, Matthew twenty-four. Um, verse 39 and following, and it says this, And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of God. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, One will be taken and the other left. Verse 44, it says, so you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. If Jesus was describing it this way in our context today, He might say something similar. He could say something along the lines, a husband and a wife were out at Starbucks for a coffee, sitting there enjoying each other's company, having a great conversation, and one is taken, and the other is left. And if you're married, you can determine who's going to be taken, who's going to be left. Men, you're probably going to be left. Harpazzo. Harpazzo Taken. You're rescued away. Admittedly, as we think about this, it sounds like a sci-fi movie, doesn't it? Really, doesn't it? But you have to understand, this is not the first time that such an event actually was recorded in Scripture. There are actually other events just like this, as people were taken away from the earth. Enoch, for example, was walking closely along with God, and then all of a sudden, he disappears, because God took him away. Elijah is walking along, talking, and a chariot of fire comes down and whirls him up in heaven. Jesus, after the resurrection, is taken up into a cloud with God. We believe by faith that one day the trumpet of God will sound. And wouldn't that be awesome if it sounded right now? Looks like we're probably all still here, so. And it says, the dead in Christ will be rise will be raised, and those who are still alive here on earth that are followers of Jesus Christ, they will be rescued out and they will be taken away. So we see here the return and the truth behind that, that Jesus is coming back again. We see the rapture, that, that Christians, that followers of Jesus will be rescued, will be taken away. From all of this, and then we see the reunion, and a truth and a thought about the reunion is this that Christians will be with God forever that 's our truth on the reunion that we as followers of Jesus, will be with God forever and Paul talks about this again back to our passage in first Thessalonians. Uh, Again, I'll read verse 17 and we'll go into verse 18. It says this, After that, remember, the trumpet sound, dead have raised, in Christ have been raised first. After all that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord, what? Forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these Words. This is how Brumley said it. He said, Just a few more weary days, and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. Paul says, Encourage one another with these words here. I came to encourage someone today, someone who is hurting. Somebody who is grieving. Somebody who may have lost something or lost someone. Somebody who is afraid of what is to come. Somebody who is lost and burdened by the temporary pain that this world gives us all the time. That if you are in Christ, there will be a day where, where you will be in the presence of God. And at that very moment, there will be no more pain. There will be no more heartache. No more sickness, no more disease, no more death, no more shame, no more hatred. There will be life in the presence of God. So may I encourage you here today with these words. The words that the early Christians would share with each other in secret to pass on this hope and this urgency that we're looking at here today. And let me encourage you with these words. Our King is coming soon. And when He blows that trumpet, and when He shouts, the dead in Christ will raise, will raise, and those who are still here will be caught up with Him in the air, and we will all be reunited with Him forever in His presence. I was thinking about my time in Kenya he, this week as I was just thinking about this idea of hope for eternity and urgency for today and, and how that can be hard because we have this immense love for this world right now. And I remember my time in Kenya and, and they don't have it as good as we do, right? And just a lot of poverty all over the place. Shanties at best, you know, and things like that. And what struck me was just seeing the joy of the people there and the people that I encountered. And, and so I remember asking a local there who was there on the grounds with us at the university that we were helping out at. Um, and he was like a local student. And, and I, I had to ask him because I saw it there um, in the university, and I saw it outside the university grounds. I had to ask them, why are you guys so joyous here? Like you would like literally have nothing. We, I saw kids on the grounds being so joyous with playing with toys that they literally made out of garbage. And I asked, why is everyone so joyous? And I asked them, where Does everyone get their joy? And he told me not to worry. told me not to worry. Because he said a common problem for us Westerners, he says, is that we tend to believe that we actually can have heaven here on earth. He says, that's your problem. You think that you are able to or should be able to experience heaven here on earth. He said, when you live in an environment like ours, you recognize the earth was never meant to be heaven, he said. He told me, as we continued on our conversation, he said, we long for the real glory that is to come. And he says, that is where and why we are so so joyous here. We recognize and we have a hope. For eternity, he says. So what's the problem here? It's one of the big problems in our our churches today, I think. We are so in love with this world that we have a real problem with spiritual complacency. And that may be one of the reasons why Paul, who did not love this world, could actually say, for to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He understood where his real home was. He understood where his joy came from. What in the world does that mean? To live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live, what Paul is saying, is to actually have the opportunity to show and express the love of Christ. That for me to live is Christ is that I get to represent Christ here on earth. And that brings joy, right? That brings uh, an urgency for today. But he also said, but to die, he says. He's like, oh, it's even better. Because this world is not my home. And then Paul could probably be going, he's like, you know what, I'm confused with all of this, right? I don't know what to do. I'm torn between the two. I kind of want to go on living because I can represent Christ but I so much would rather be with my Father in heaven. Hope for eternity, an urgency for today. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15 about all this. He says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret, he says. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when that trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, he says. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is never useless. Because time is short, and we are reminded of that, it's like a vapor in the wind. It's here one moment, gone the next. Because our time here on earth is so short, he's essentially saying here's your assignment that you won't leave words unsaid, that you won't have deeds that are are undone or hope that is unshared. That's our assignment that we won't leave words unsaid, deeds undone, or hope unshared because our time here is short. And some of you here today, you've got words unsaid. You've got words to say, encouragement to give, love to express, hope to share. And we're being reminded about our urgency for today. Don't leave those words unsaid. Also, some of us might struggle with this idea of don't allow deeds to go undone. Do you recognize that you are the masterpiece of God created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do? Don't leave these deeds undone. You have this divine assignment And we have to recognize that and have an urgency for today because our time is short and therefore recognizing that we will not let deeds go undone, we'll not allow words to go unsaid, or we definitely won't allow hope to be unshared. See, here's the thing. You carry the hope of eternal life, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Our King is coming soon. And when you recognize and when you believe it and when you embrace it, what will you do? What will you do? You're not going to go crazy over a new pair of shoes or that new phone that you need. Uh, Your highest calling you're going to recognize is not going to be in that boat or that new car. You're going to live for something that lasts. Hope for eternity. Urgency for today. Today. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son, but we thank you that he's coming back again and that, and that we just live out this truth and this recognition of having hope for eternity but also understanding urgency for today. That we do have an assignment here on earth that our time is short here, but we should never lose our hope for meeting you in your presence and knowing that we'll be with, reunited with you forever. So Lord, help us to live that out well in our lives this week. That people as they encounter us will see and experience the hope we have for eternity, but also see that we have an urgency for today by sharing things, by sharing words to people, by doing deeds that we're called to do and sharing the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. Help us live that out this week. We pray this in your name. Amen.